0: Welcome back to yet another episode of Par 71 with Matt Lassere, presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. I am your host, Matt Lassere, and welcome to episode three. We're getting on a pretty good roll now. Um, this week, we don't have nearly as much to talk about as last week. Uh, obviously, we're going to go over the Zerk Classic fairly briefly because it was kind of a runaway. Um, and then we're going to, there were two uh, college golf tournaments that we talked about last week. That finished up. All the rest are still going on right now, so I'm not going to really say much about that, because by the time this podcast comes out, they will be over, so I don't want to be like, I don't want to give predictions or anything, because then by the time this is out, it'll be done. So, yeah, and then, in uh, those two tournaments are the SEC and the ACC, and the, if you remember, the SEC was one of my top ones to watch, I don't know if there was a way to watch it, but it was one of my top ones to watch if there was a way to, and after that, we got some controversy controversy with the Live Golf Tour, with some players actually announcing that they are going to play. Um, so we're and I, obviously after that, we this week is the Mexico Open. Uh, this is the first time this event has been a PGA Tour event. The last time we saw the PGA Tour go down to Mexico was for a couple years when it was the when they had a WGC event down there. Uh, yeah, so the PGA Tour returns to Mexico. That's this week. That's not a huge field. So again, the PGA Tour in general, like the actual tournaments isn't really going to be a huge part of this episode. This episode will probably end up being a little shorter in the end. Because again, like I said, right now, pre-PGA Championship, there's not too much to talk about. Um, It's kind of a slow golf news time. Uh, So that's why we're going to try to talk a lot about the Live Golf Tour controversy today. Um, So like I said, we're going to start off with the Zerk Classic. Cantlay and Shoffelay, Xander Shaffle and Patrick Cantlay. ran away with it almost. I mean, they started the tournament, they started with round one with the tournament scoring record, the lowest score in tournament history with a 59, um, and did not look back. Went wire to wire um, and won by two strokes in the end at 29 under. The next one, which was still a marquee group in second, was Sam Burns and Billy Horschel at 27 under. Uh, And then you had Davis Riley and Will Zalatoris tied for fourth at 23 under. Uh, Harold Varner and Bubba Watson, which was one of my marquee groups and one of my picks to win. Uh, And obviously, look, so with golf picks, it's really hard to do because you have a big field, and it's really hard to predict week to week. So, you know, a record for golf predictions is always going to be below 500. I'm not worried about that. Uh, But Harold Varner, Bubba Watson tied for fourth at 23 under. Considering I had them to win and they finished tied for fourth, that's not a bad prediction in the end. So I'm not doing bad. Uh, the one that was surprising though was that Cam Smith and um, Mark Leishman finished so low on the leaderboard. Uh, they ended up tied for 21st, 17 under, which was 12 strokes back. Yeah, 12 strokes back of the win, of the vic, of uh, of Cantlay and Xander Schauffele. It I mean, they still played well. They went 65, 68, 66, 72. Uh, from the looks of it, all the scores on the final day were kind of around even par, even though it was a team event. It was playing kind of tough out there. Like, uh, even Cantlay and Shafley ended up at uh, even par 72, which was by far their highest round of the week. Because if you look at their scores, they went 59, like I said, 68, 60, 72. So, literally, I mean, that was by far their highest score. Not In, in general, if you look at... Looking at everyone's rounds, not the lowest I'm seeing on Friday is a 66, and that's from a few groups. Let's see. Who was it? 66. You had Davis Riley and Will Zalatoris, and then Doc Redman and Sam Ryder at a 67 on the final day, and then you have Sam Burns and Billy Horschel at a 68. So you have your groups that kind of finished tied for fourth, kind of made a surge on the last day. Um shooting those low scores. But for the most part, most groups shot even to one under. So not a, not a huge disparity, but in general, we saw Friday, or not, sorry, not Friday. We saw Sunday be the toughest day out there, um, by far. Even had one group shot of 75, uh, Taren and Skins. That's the highest I'm seeing. So yeah. Um, and the interesting, another interesting thing is where did Scheffler end up? So Scheffler obviously broke his streak. He's won what? He had won going into this like four of his last six starts. Now it's down to four of the last seven, which is still impressive. Still impressive. And he finished tied for 18th at 18-under with his partner Ryan Palmer. Again, this tournament is really hard to judge because it's a team event, right? It's not just about how the individual player plays like it is in most weeks. It's a team event. So it's a lot, lot different than just a normal tournament. And it's very hard to predict how each team's going to play. I didn't really expect Scotty chef and Ryan Palmer to do great because Ryan Palmer's not, he's a known player, but he's not amazing. Like he's not, not no one really knows him too well though. Uh, their scores were 64, 72, 63, 71. So still a pretty decent week, but again, it's, you wonder what, what it would be like at this course if it was individual. You wonder if Scottie Scheffler still would have been up there. You just don't know. Um, real quick, I just wanted to go over Xander Schauffele and Patrick Cantlay's first round. Because, again, it was the lowest round in tournament history. So, as a team, so round one was four ball. And if you don't know what four ball is, that means that you basically play as a normal foursome, right? You go... Each player plays out their ball, and you just take from your two team from your team of two. You take the lowest score from the hole. So, like if Can'tley Pard and Shafley birdied, you take the birdie, and that's your team score, right? So it that's how it went. And this is they literally had to start off. They went birdie eagle on one and two. Uh, didn't have, and they went. They had a birdie on four, so that's two birdies. Uh, a birdie on five. So, three birdies already, a birdie on seven, and a birdie on eight. So, in the front nine, they had five birdies and an eagle, which is just insane. And then on the back, they had a birdie on 10, a birdie on 11, a birdie on 12, and then a birdie on 16, 17, and 18. So, that's 11 birdies and one eagle on the round. That's just in absolutely insane. Again, lowest, lowest tournament score, lowest score in the Zurich Classic history. Um, that's kind of hard to believe, honestly, considering it's a team event. 59 is normally the lowest score by an individual in tour history. Is Jim Furyk with a 58 at uh, the Travelers Championship at TPC River Highlands up in Cromwell, Connecticut, which I've actually played that course. I don't. It's pretty tough for him to shoot a 59 there, but. Again, in a team event, I'm surprised we haven't seen a score this low at all. Just because, obviously, team event, you have more leeway, right? Uh, if you mess up, you still have your teammate. If your teammate messes up, he still has you. So it kind of... I'm very surprised to see that that's the low score in this tournament's history. It... But again, it's kind of a hard tournament to judge. It's a fun tournament to watch because the team's different format. We're not used to it. But not too much to analyze here. Again, Billy Horschel, a lot of the a lot of the teams that ended up in the top five made surges on the last day. So like round four and four sums are alternate shot. Uh, Billy Horschel and Sam Burns. Uh, Sam Burns good friends. is Andre I believe they went to college together. Right. Did Sam Burns go to let's see, Sam Burns went to Texas, right? No, Sam Burns went to L S U, but I know they're good friends on tour. Um him and Billy Horschel had three birdies on the front, on holes two, five, and eight, and then on the back they had birdies on ten and eleven, and then a bogey on seventeen. So this tournament, without that bogey, this tournament really could have been a lot closer, and maybe they would have given Cantlay uh, and Shoffley a run round, uh, round, a run for their money. Uh, but other than that, I mean, look, they came out of the gates firing. Round one was the biggest storyline. Of this 59 in round one. That's always one of the lower rounds on tour. No matter what. And it's just. They ran away with it. I mean they really. They obviously like they gave up ground the last day. Like I said. They shot a 72. But it. 59. A 59 on the first day makes that hard to catch up to. And they really really just ran away with it. Um, again. Congratulations to Xander Schauffele and Patrick Cantlay. For winning for. For winning for the first time as a team, obviously. Um, really wish we would have had Cameron Smith. Again, yeah, this is one of the few terms that Cameron Smith and Scotty Scheffler haven't been up there at the top of the leaderboard. So it really is good to see something different. Um, but we also want to see. I kind of. I don't know what you guys. But I really want to see. Uh, Schauffele, not Schauffele, uh Scotty Scheffler's amazing season continue. Get on a really good run. Uh, he already has been on a good run. But it's obviously the beginning of the season. Now we're in mid form. Once we get to the PGA Championship, we'll really be halfway. Through the major season, um, which is all—I mean, you, it's all that really matters in the major season. But then you have the FedEx Cup playoffs that come later. Uh, but again, it's uh, good to see something different. I would like to see them back up. Cameron Smith and Scotty Scheffler top that leaderboard still, but it's good to see him going around again. This was a good. This was a good team. Patrick Cantlay is top top ten in the. World right now, and he came off a playoff loss last week at the RBC Heritage to Jordan Spieth. So I'm sure he's happy to get in in the winner's circle after losing that playoff. A one hole ended up being a one hole playoff. Uh, So it's good to see he's able to come back and he's still playing good golf. He really might be considering he literally last week he got second, really tied for first because lost in the playoff, and then won this week. He's got to be someone we got to start watching here for the PGA Championship as we get closer. We saw this with uh, Scotty Scheffler. Obviously, he's still on his big run. Um, So now as we get close to that major, expect Cantlay to, in a few weeks, be up there competing to win his first major. Would not be surprised to see that. So just be on the lookout for that. Um, That's all I got for the Zurich Classic. Like I said, not real much to talk about here this week. It was a runaway. The The 59 was the big thing to talk about. And again, what was it? 11 birdies and an eagle. Like, damn, like, wow, that's just amazing, even in a team event. But I am surprised we haven't seen a score that low in a team event. Um, Next this week, we got the Mexico Open. Uh, We don't have a huge, like a big, real, not a big, a really marquee field for this. Um, Because, again, this is, I mean, you're going from Masters to South, they were in South Carolina, to New Orleans, to now all the way to Mexico. You're just not going to have a lot of players travel that much. Uh, especially after a lot of players have been playing a lot recently. So at this point, this is a good break week for a lot of players. Against slow golf, slow golf news week with the Mexico Open. Uh, But this this is actually the first time the Mexico Open has been a PGA Tour event. It was, it's been an event for like 100 years or something, I think I read. Uh, But it's just, it's kind of switched between tours. It was a web.com tour event for a while. It was, then it went to a Latino tour event, and then the WGC came down to Mexico. There wasn't the Mexico Open, but the PGA Tour did have an event in Mexico for a few years for the WGC event. It was really fun to watch because that course used to be at high altitude, so the distances would all be messed up, and it would be a huge adjustment for the players. Um, but this year it is at we have the uh, Mexico Open at Vidanta B- Vallarta Golf Course. I'm probably... Butchering that pronunciation, so I'm not going to say the name of the golf course a lot. Um, I'm just going to refer to it as the Mexico Open. But like I said, we don't really have a huge field, or like a really marquee field this week. I know for a fact, I do know the biggest name we do have playing is John Rahm, who was world number one uh, a few weeks ago until Scottie Scheffler won the WC match playing in the Masters. And now he's world number three, I believe, and Cameron Smith's number two. So here's like our marquee players that are playing this week. You got John Rob, obviously, like I just said. Um, Gary Woodland, who we haven't seen too much. Uh, he didn't play in the Masters or the Players. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't, never mind. But he d- hasn't played well recently. But he this week or in the last two months he has had a top five, two top fives. Are t- and he, when those top fives, he finished tied for fifth, a tied for eighth, and a tied for 21st in the past two months. So he's been playing well. And then Kevin Na, who was one of my picks to win the RBC Heritage a few weeks ago because he's played well there. He, he finished tied 14th at the Masters and tied for 26th at the RBC Heritage. Uh, is also playing at Cameron Triangle. Abraham answer who has been playing great as of recently. Um... And he's also Mexican, so this is a huge event for him. That's probably a big pick going into this week, and one that's probably getting overlooked too. Uh, Abe Anser has been a silent kind of guy, but he's been playing very well this year on tour. Here, let's see some of his some of his finishes. So yeah, his best finishes this year have been. He has one P.J. Tour victory in his career. Um, he has t- he tied for fifth at the Dell Match Play and he has a tie for 7th and a tie for 14th this year he has, like I said one PGA Tour victory, one international victory from the University of Oklahoma so if you remember what I said last week of the state of Oklahoma college golf runs through the state of Oklahoma here's another person, we didn't didn't really know of many multiple alumni from University of Oklahoma here you go, Abraham answer. I really would watch this guy this week, this was one of my Big picks because the pride of playing the Mexico Open, he is Mexican, and it's his nationality, right? It's like how we would all get excited if we played in the U.S. Open. I mean, we'd be excited if we played in any PGA Tour event for that matter, but it's his big event. It's his home event, right? Because it's the only one they get that goes down to Mexico. Uh, I really wouldn't be surprised to see him up there. Other notable names, uh, and these are going off the PGA Tour power rankings for this week of what the field is. After Abraham Answer, or Abe, I call him Abe Answer, just for short. Uh, Matt Jones, Chris Kirk, Brandon Todd, Aaron Rye, Mark Hubbard, Charles Howell the third, Russell Knox, Tony Finau, which is a big name. Uh, he's kind of, he hasn't been playing too well recently. Uh, it's been eight months since he's been in the top, had a top 25 finish. But he's always a fun person to watch because he's a big power hitter off the tee. And everyone loves seeing the long ball, right? And Tony Finau's that guy. I wouldn't expect him to see him up there. Like I said, I mean, maybe he'll surprise us. He hasn't been playing well as of late. But again, let's, ho- let's hope. Let's hope. And then after they get Cameron Champ, who's a pretty big name, uh, who finished in the top 10 at the Masters, and Carlos Ortiz. So he, again, not a huge field when you go from John Rahm to Gary Woodland as your one and two top players in the field. So let's... I mean, again, slow golf news week. Like I said, it's not huge, not much to talk about this week. Uh, I would, if I have to give my picks again, I would expect to see John Rahm and Abraham answer up there. I would love to see Abe make a run at this tournament. Again, it would probably be a huge win for him considering it's the first time the Mexico Open has been a PGA Tour event. And that's his, it's his home event. I've already said it probably a thousand times. I feel like I repeat myself all the time on this podcast but oh well, it's just to kind of emphasize it and get it in your brains, I guess. Um, this is his event. It's Abe. I want Abe Anser to win this. My picks are John Rahm and Abe Anser this week. My picks have been doing fairly well. Like I said, it's hard to do golf wins, but my one of my big picks last week ended up getting tied for fourth, so hey, we're looking pretty good. We might not be winning, but it's hard to win when, when you're picking between 100 people and it's not a 1v1 match, right? So... That's what we're looking at for the Mexico Open. Again, nothing huge here. Should still be fun to watch, see a new new course uh, that we haven't seen before. Now, something very interesting is this course was designed by Greg Norman. And if you've heard anything recently, like I said to be in the episode with the Live Golf Tour, Greg Norman is the commissioner of this. Uh, And that's what we're going to use as transition. Is Greg Norman the commissioner of the new Live Golf Tour Um, this has been a lot of controversy leading up to this, and now as players are starting to announce that they're playing, it's getting even more, like, it's coming back to the news more. So, before we had a name of this, if you remember correctly, it was known as the Saudi-backed Golf League, so meaning there's a bunch of people from Saudi over the Middle East funding this, and there's a lot of money getting thrown into, uh... there's a lot of money getting thrown into this golf tour and basically what from what i've read from what i've listened to greg norman's like reading or talking about it is that i really want to compare this to formula one to where yes it's individual racing but there's also team points and teams going into it that's the way i would look at this is they play like a normal golf tournament where it's you play individually, but you're also playing as a team to where you have other people on your team, where you get points of where you place, and then there's team rankings, right? It, almost exactly like Formula One. That is how I like to look at this. Um, and the first event is June 9th to 11th in London. And then you have Portland on July. Of, so it goes from June 9th to 11th to July, first, third, to second event in Portland, then you got July 29th to 31st in New Jersey at the Trump uh, Bedmister Club. Then you have Boston, September 2nd to 4th. September 16th to 18th, you have Chicago. October 7th to 9th, you have Bangkok. Uh, October 14th to 16th, you have Jedediah, And then on October 28th to 30th, it says Team Championship. Uh, it does not have a course list for the Team Championship. So you have eight events for their first season, I guess. And the most controversial or of someone playing is Phil Mickelson. Yeah, I mean, you've seen this. I mentioned it last week. He has not played since he made comments on calling the PGA Tour a dictatorship uh, versus the Live Tour and not letting them play. Or like the PGA Tour came out and said that if you play in any Live Tour, you'll be banned from PGA Tour. Which is kind of hard to believe um, considering the way golf works. So, I mean, considering the way golf works is that the PGA Tour really can't ban a player for playing in these events, at least in my opinion. Um, because the way I heard Greg Norman explain it is that technically golfers are classified as private contractors. And which means that they can go play wherever they want. They can do whatever they want as long as they have the rights to play in it. Like you can play in a PGA tour event if you want, if you have a PGA Tour card. You can play in anyone, it doesn't matter. And if you get the opportunity to play in the Live Golf Tour and it's not in and it's not really conflicting with an event you would play in on pga tour anyway who cares right you get to play it's more money and it's something new it's something we haven't seen and what's very interesting too is if you actually look at it and like no golf the pga tour doesn't actually run any of the majors so because if you look at it so the masters is run by augusta national uh the pga championship is run by the pga of america which is separate from the pga tour people get confused about that it is a different entity. Uh, then you have the the British Open that is run by the R&A, not PGA Tour. Um, and then you have the U.S. Open, which is run by the USGA, not PGA Tour. So even if even if that they were to the ban players, which I think would cause a whole legal battle and would just not really work, we would see we would still see Phil Mickelson playing all majors and then live golf tour events. And Phil Mickelson has filed to also play or registered to play in the PGA Championship. Along with Tiger Woods now is also registered to play at the PGA Championship. Uh, that's big news. So you have Phil coming back for the PGA Championship in a few weeks. And then you have him going to play the Live Golf Tour on June 9th to 11th at Centron Club in London. So again, it it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. Phil is definitely the... Uh, The biggest name going into this, Uh, I don't think the PGA Tour can really will ban Phil, even though they kind of, on, not on paper have done that, as he has not played ever since he made comments and he stepped away from the game after that. But it's kind of like when they did this year, they did an award for the most influential players on tour, and like you win money for that, like for social media and all that kind of stuff. Tiger got number one, obviously, even though he didn't play a single tournament because it's Tiger. Like Tiger is the most influential and most famous golfer. Of all time, Phil was second, and you're telling me that the PGA Tour is going to ban one of their most popular, biggest players ever? Like, no, that would just not look good on them at whatsoever. Maybe they might do to send a message at first to try to stop players from playing in this tour, but it doesn't really contradict with any major events, right? It and Greg Norman went on the record saying that they built this schedule to not conflict with any major events to try to work with the PGA Tour. They're not trying to steal the thunder. They're not trying to make this whole big thing. They're trying to make something new and fun. They're trying to make more of a team, golf a team sport to where you and me, we can go out and root for teams. We don't, it's different, right? We don't get that in golf. You have your select players that you root for. Like I root for Jordan. I root for Jordan Spieth, Scottie Scheffler, Phil, Tiger. Like you have the players you want to root for that you want to win. But in general, we're not really fans of anybody. It's just a, you're a fan of the game, you're a fan of the sport. You like to go watch it. But if you make this into teams, we'll have that rivalry now, right? It'll, we'll have the Packers Bears or we'll the Red Sox Yankees, we'll, we'll get it'll be more fun and we'll get to see this new not really a new format but just a new way of looking at golf and maybe the PGA Tour could adopt it at one point. I mean, what I like to compare these new things to is obviously you keep seeing it recent more recently is with the XFL and USFL with football and the, I think it was the AAF Not one of those has actually gained traction besides the XFL, and now the XFL is a partnership with the NFL to test stuff. So that's how I want to look at this. As I think alternate tours or alternate leagues and other sports, you never see them really do well, right? It they have their one season, nobody really watches it, and then they fold. Now, the live tour has a lot of money backing it, so I don't think it'll fold. But you could see the PGA Tour, I mean you saw this with the XFL when it first came out, the NFL, is you adopt a lot of different things. You see them do things that you, the NFL never did, and it could be the same thing. You see the, Liv, the PGA Tour, see things that Liv is doing that they have never done, and they could adopt them. And they could bring them over to the PGA Tour and make the, use it to make the Tour better. I think the Tour is kind of overreacting to this, in my opinion. Like, let's go let the players' play, see how it plays out. I would not be worried about them taking over your Thunder and the PGA Tour folding. Like no, that's just not going to happen. There's too much money. The PGA Tour is already consistent. That's not going to happen. Most players will stay on the PGA Tour, but the live like you you could look at Liv and try to add some of the stuff from them to you, and that way you're not you're not are not even risking that at this point, right? That there's no reason not to. It's like the NFL, the USFL. I want the NFL to bring the that yardage marker, the yardage distance measuring thing they've been doing bring that to the NFL like it's the same thing like use their ideas that people like once they start playing and just bring them to the PGA tour and then you're golden right then more players will stay you won't have players leaving but again you also can't ban players it doesn't if they do end up banning players like I said it's going to be a big legal battle that we'll see all over the news or at least on golf news And it's just not, that would not be good for the sport. Let it play out, and let's see what happens. Worst case, you adopt some of what the Live Golf Tour is doing. That's my opinion on it. And it, I mean, it's what we see from when alternate leagues come out all the time in sports. The big one always stays, right? The NFL is never going to fold to the USFL or the XFL. There's too much money there. It's just, it's already established. It's not going to happen, right? So it's the same exact thing with this Live Golf Tour in my mind. Now, is there more money backing it? Yes. Is a big name the... A big name golf-wise? The commissioner? Yes. But still, it... You're not... They're not already... They're already not going to get as many players. I believe it was 15 top 100 world players that are going into these events. But it's not like... That still doesn't compare to the PGA Tour. Like, it's... You still have... Man, they have 15 of the top golfers in the world. Well, you have the other... 85 or whatever. Like, it... That doesn't. That shouldn't affect you too much. Now, losing Phil, if you want to ban Phil, that's a mistake, and that's where the legal battle. So, I think if a little, if you ban a little player that doesn't really matter, no one really knows about, there won't be much legal battle. But if they ban Phil and they take Phil off the tour, that is where there's going to be issues, and that's where we're going to see big news throughout this. That's my opinion, and we'll see. We'll see how it really works out. Uh, it's going to be interesting, but who knows? We don't really know until we get to that point um it'll be interesting on june 9th through 11th i know i'll be tuning in london to see phil and just see what the difference is i mean it couldn't it could not be really different at all it's just more money and that's what's drawing players we don't know we don't really know yet we haven't seen any of that yet so again we'll find out we'll see over time how this plays out again it'll be very interesting to see how the pga tour reacts i think in the end all their threats of banning players are just threats i think it's all bark no bite because if they do do that especially again especially to Phil, that's when all the problems come, because that'll be a big newsworthy thing. I mean, you're telling me Phil won't be able to play in everyday events. Um, that And remember, these PGA Tour events help the communities that they're in. They raise a lot of money for charity and bring in a lot of tourism for a lot of people for these events. So if you take out a player like Phil, who won't play in a little event that's not that big in, let's say, I don't know, I don't know what events. Say, uh, we'll say the Zurich Classic, for example. We'll say now Phil can't play in a small event like the Zurich Classic. That's a huge blow for that event because how many people, more people will come to see Phil than anyone else? He's one of those big historic names everyone knows. So if you come, if you take him out and he can't go to any of those, that's a huge blow of attendance for those events. That's a huge less. That's a lot less money that you're making just because of one player. Now the rest might not really matter, but again, you got to focus on Phil here because he's that big name. If you take Phil out a lot less tickets sold. It's a lot a lot not looking well, right? So, like I said, it's just going to have to see how it plays out. It'll be very interesting to see. Uh, I would love to see. I mean, I wonder if we can get one of those. Huh, I'm going to look that up. I'm going to look up the field after I record this and see if there's any player I can, maybe we can contact them, try to get an interview and see what they think on it after the after the first tournament because there's a pretty big gap yeah, a little bit less than a month gap in uh, from the first event in London is the second one in Portland. So maybe we can see what happens. Maybe I'll look up a tour and see if we can uh, slide in some DMs of some players that are playing in this and get an interview. But we'll see. Um, so, yeah, that's all I have on Live Golf Tour. Uh, now we're going to go more into college golf again. Uh, again, yeah, it's slow episode, slow golf news week. Live Tour and Phil Mickelson has been dominating the headlines as of late. Uh Oh, here we go. This is something I didn't read. This is where this is where it's different with the live tours. There's no cut. There's 50, only 54 holes instead of the normal 72, and there's shotgun starts. So shotgun start, if you don't know, is if you've ever played in a company tournament or something like that, they normally put you out. Shotgun start is when you have a group starting on each hole. So basically the whole tournament will end at one time because you go around and you're just circling. Instead of starting on 1 and 10, you can start on 7 and your last hole is um, six, but everyone goes out the, on the course at one time and is already, is already on and is playing. So it's a, uh, that's very good for TV, honestly, because it's seven. Uh, because say everyone, you can start, you can start TV coverage right at, say everyone goes out at noon, start TV coverage right at noon and everyone's going to end at the same time. So you're not sitting here waiting for groups to come in and that will make it more interesting looking around the course and seeing where everyone's at. Um, it kind of puts it, it that makes it a little different, a lot interesting. Uh, in year one, there will be only a max of 48 players on 12 four man teams in a truly go- global field with golfers invited from all tours around the world to beta test the new format. The 2022 Live Golf International Series will unfold over seven regular season events that crown an individual champion and culminates in a team championship match play event for 50 million. That is the description on the live golf internet invitational site so like i said different shotgun starts will make it interesting and honestly better for tv uh the tv networks will love that because that's more time and you can time it out better than just normal event because you don't know how slow people are gonna play and all that so yeah i mean that looks we'll see again if it goes well you could see the pga tour adopt shotgun starts you could see them not doing a cut or shortening tournaments like you just don't We'll see what happens. And I just think, in general, it's going to be something that the PGA Tour adopts from and takes what they like or takes what the people like and bring it into their tour. Uh, that's my perception on what's probably going to happen. But, again, that's all I have for Live Golf Tour. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. We'll talk more about it as after the first event, June 9th to 11th, uh, at in London at Century and Golf Club, where Phil looks like Phil is playing. So, again, we'll see what happens. All right, and the last thing we're going to talk about today is after last week, touching on college golf, we go over who won the conference tournaments that have ended. Um, those that have ended are the SEC, the ACC. The Pac-12 is going on while I'm recording this. It is Tuesday the 26th, so if anything happens after this, that's why. Um, and then Pac-12 is going on right now, Big 12 is going on right now, and the Big 10 is this weekend. So... We'll be able to talk about the winners of those in the Big Ten next week. Uh, For right now, the SEC and the ACC, if you remember right, I said the SEC was my team to watch or my tournament to watch um, them in the Big 12 last week, if you could watch it. I don't know if there was any way to watch it at all. Um, Yeah, so to go into it, the team winner of the SEC was no surprise other than Vanderbilt for the second straight year uh, in at the Seaside course at Sea Island Club on St. Simons Island, Georgia. Uh, they won... Oops, I couldn't find who... Oh, wait, never mind. Not, so they've won six straight match play matches at the SEC Championship uh, overall now in the past two years, going 3-0 last year and this year. Uh, last year, they were actually the number six seed and not the number one seed they were this year. Obviously, they're. I believe they are ranked... Yeah, they're third in the country right now after Oklahoma's... Um, and they won over Mississippi State in the quarterfinals, LSU in the semifinals. It's weird that they don't have. I don't, I don't see. Oh, it's Florida. So they played UF, who's also a top top team in the country. And yeah, they're ranked 16th in the country. At least that was from the rankings I gave last week. Uh... So that's where they beat in the championship round. I couldn't find the leaderboard. I've been looking for the leaderboard, and I haven't been able to find it for either the SEC or the ACC. Let's see if I'm just missing it here. Yeah, I can't find it. But the so for the ACC, the for the ACC, the individual winner came out of Clemson. Uh, the individual winner was Jacob Bridgman. Let's see. Let's see where he's ranked in. We'll go look at these rankings here. Uh, NCAA player ranking men. So Jacob Regman is also one of the top players in college right now. As uh, a senior. Obviously, like I said, out of Clemson. He is ranked 16th in the country, right below Cole Hammer, the, phenom out of, the senior out of Texas who played in the 2015 U.S. Open, if you remember that, the youngest person to play in the 2015 U.S. Open. Um... Yeah, so he played really well, and then the, the winner out of the ACC team-wise was Wake Forest, who are ranked 17th in the country. Let's see if we've had any changes to the team rankings this week. Um, Oklahoma's still, Vanderbilt's still third, Arizona State's still fourth. Uh, Texas Tech, Pepperdine, North Carolina, Washington, Texas, Arkansas, Georgia Tech, University of Georgia, Notre Dame, Auburn, Wake Forest... So it has changed a little bit. Wake Forest was 17, now they're 15. Uh, Florida, Stanford, Tennessee, a and Illinois, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Clemson, and Florida State and LSU. So still around the board, we have the top teams win. Wake Forest won. Who did they beat in the final round of their match play part? ch um, Over Georgia Tech and Georgia Tech is ranked so that was a good matchup. It was Georgia Georgia Tech's ranked 11th, so that was the two highest teams in the ACC going at it. So kind of one and two who you would have predicted to be there: Wake Forest and Georgia Tech. And Wake Forest pulled it out, Uh, and actually in a playoff, I believe there was a few playoff holes that they went into. Uh, So yeah, that's what we're at for conference tournaments. Uh, I'm giving up. Let's see what the, I'll go look at uh, how, is, as, of, as of recording this, where the conference tournaments going on are. So you got North Florida is currently leading the A-Sun. Wright State is winning the Horizon League. Southern Illinois is winning the MVC. Let's see where's um where's the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve. All right, whatever. We don't even need to see them right now. We'll talk about them those next week as when they finish. Um, like I said, I mean it's surprising to see that oh, there's Big Twelve. Texas is leading the Big Twelve currently. That's surprising. So Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are not currently leading the Big Twelve tournament. We'll see. Obviously, that can change in the match play. Uh. Yeah, and something – oh, one thing that did happen the last week that I will look up right now to confirm is the Arnold Palmer Cup teams came out. And if you don't know what the Arnold Palmer Cup is, uh, it is basically like the Ryder Cup but for college. Uh, It's not Ryder Cup, more President's Cup because it's international versus USA, and it is basically all college teams. They play at Bay Hill, which is Arnold Palmer's course. Uh, where the uh, Arnold Palmer Invitational happens. At least I think that's where they play. Uh, I'll check this. So here we go. We got... Let's see. Is it, okay. Here is Team USA, and this is men and women. This is both. Okay, no, it is not at... The Arnold Palmer Cup is not at Bay Hill. It's at Golf Club de Geneve. Uh, it is from Team USA, from University of South Carolina. You have Amari Avery. From Texas A&M, who's the, currently the best-ranked player in college, Sam Bennett. Sorry, my computer's being really slow today. Uh, Michael Berman, Ber- Brennan, sorry, Brennan out of Wake Forest. Jake Doggett out of Midwestern State. Uh, Nick Gaberlick out of North Florida. Rachel Heck out of Stanford. Palmer Jackson out of Notre Dame. Julia Johnson out of Ole Miss. Gerlin... Gerlin Kerr out of Baylor. Uh, Johnny Keffer out of Baylor. Rachel Coonan out of Wake Forest. Uh, Walker Lee out of A&M. Antonio Malate out of San Jose State. Dylan Minate? Minate? Dylan Minate out of Pepperdine. Olivia Mitchell out of Dallas Baptist. Kaylin Rosehall out of Arizona State. Gordon Sargent, Sargent out of Vandy. Brooks Say out of Stanford, Uh, Shepard out of Duke, Erica Shepard out of Duke, Cole Sherwood out of Vandy too, you got a lot of Vandy in A&M here, a lot of SEC heavy, Uh, Latana Stone out of LSU, Michael Forbenson out of Stanford, Travis Vick out of Texas, Uh, Rose Zhang out of Stanford, Bill Alcorn, Oklahoma, Ryan Potter, Wake Forest, Corey uh, Hex, Mississippi, Jim Ott is the coach from Illinois Wesleyan. And then for Team International, you have Natasha Un out of San Jose State, Kaja Afaja, Sweden, San Jose State, Alban Bergston, uh, USF, Fred Bionni, UF, Carolina Chikara, Wake Forest, Eugenio Charena, who we talked about last week from Oklahoma State, the top player from Oklahoma State currently. It's also from Spain. Hannah Darling from South Carolina. Archie Davies from East Tennessee State. Uh, Adrian out of Illinois. Mateo Oliveira out of Arkansas. Alexandria Forstelling out of Arizona State. David Kitt out of National University of Ireland, Maynooth. That's the only international, actual, actual international university we've seen. Uh, up out of my Florida State Seminoles uh, Crutcher out of Stanford Lamprecht out of Georgia Tech, sorry I'm definitely butchering these last names, I mean I really don't know how to pronounce these, I'm sure I'll see them on TV soon and be able to know, uh, Luau out of Michigan James Luau Lua out of Arizona State uh, Julia Ramirez out of Mississippi State Huz y- Yulu Huzulu out of Oregon, Lorena McClimate out of University of Sterling, uh, Bennett Morriso out of Alabama, Razum Nagard Peterson out of Oklahoma State, uh, Williamson out of Florida State again, Louving Auberg, Texas Tech, head coach is from, uh, assistant coach from University of Kentucky, Golda Borst, uh, and then you have co- more coaches, you have Barry Fennelly, Diana Catu out of Tennessee and Phil Rao out of California, uh, Cal Poly. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot of names I just listed off, but they are all in the Arnold Palmer Cup. Again, just like a Ryder Cup, but for college kids. Same kind of format, same team, kind of team event. It's cool, and this is where we start really seeing kids start to make names for themselves. Uh, after that, we don't see it for a while because then they'll go, once they get onto the USA, once they get onto these, like, upper level events like this. And what's very interesting about this is you don't see a lot of after our conversation last week, we made a lot of we said OU and Oklahoma State and how they're how they run the state of, or they how they run college golf right now. There wasn't really a lot of them. You had probably two or three in men's and women's out of the out of those two teams. So it's kind of surprising to see. I guess in general, after looking at this, you got to think Maybe as a team they play better, like overall. But individual players, you got a lot of Wake Forest, you got a lot of ACC in there. I mean, Dallas Baptist for the women's is surprising. Again, we never win over women's golf, but uh, I mean, you don't have a lot of them on this team, which is very surprising. A lot of Texas A and a lot of Vanderbilt, a lot of SEC and ACC rather than the Big Twelve. You had one Texas kid as well, so it kind of. I don't know, and the the University of Oklahoma coach is also assistant coach, so that kind of helps see that. But in general, it's kind of surprising to see how there aren't many uh, Sooners or Cowboys in here after our conversation last week. And this was announced, I think, right after I recorded the podcast last week, like literally the day of, if not the next day. So it's my fault. I'm not waiting for that to come out. We could have covered this last week. But again, that's a fun event, July 1st to 3rd. Let's see, where is Golf Club Day? Genevieve. Definitely pronouncing that one wrong, too. I guess i got to type it. Golf club day. In Switzerland. So they're playing in Switzerland. Yeah. Let's look at this course. Let's see how nice it is. Okay, so it doesn't even look that much like a link style. It looks a lot like a normal course. Maybe a little bit link style, but more what we're used to seeing in America rather than those European courses we see for the Open Championship. So it should be pretty good. Again, that's not until July. They just announced the teams. Uh, again, just a fun event, just like the Ryder Cup, just for college kids. It's where they start to make their name. Oh, okay. Lastly, I forgot to say this earlier about the uh, Zerk Classic that we're done with college golf now. Sorry. But I just, this just popped in my head. I forgot to say it earlier. Uh, they actually did walk-up songs on the tee this week, which is kind of cool. They did a cause it because of was a team event to kind of make it more – more different, more fan engagement. Like I said, that's what it. That's what these team events are really for. And the walk-up songs, which you haven't seen for a while. I mean, it'd be cool to see this get an everyday thing or every tournament thing. Like, I mean, imagine Tiger walking up to I like, the Tiger or something. I mean, that sounds basic, but so that was just something cool that happened this week that I hope they've experimented it with a little bit in the past, but maybe that's maybe it'll finally stick now that uh, a they're doing it in the team event or the Zurich Classic. But, I mean, that's all I got for you guys this week on Par 71. I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, For this week on Instagram comments, after this comes out, give me your comment on the YouTube, whichever. Uh, Listen on Spotify, follow Par 71, but comment on wherever. What would your walk-up song be now that they're bringing that back? I think it's great. I think it's really cool to see. You get to see more of the players' personalities and things like that. So, yeah, Um, that's all I got this week. Like I said, a short episode. Not much of a uh, a jam-packed episode like last week, like I said. Uh, we'll get more into live golf as that gets closer for sure. Now it's starting to spark controversy with Phil going in and him uh, filing for release from the PGA Tour f- to play in this event. So we'll see what happens there. Again, uh, a lot of this is pending news that we kind of just have to let play out. So, yeah, I mean, that's all I have for Par 71 this week. I hope you guys enjoyed. Hope hear you guys next week. And this, once again, this has been Par 71 with Matt LaSera, presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. See you guys next Thursday.